What's up, everybody? We have another episode of the podcast. I apologize again for the delays. We recorded this uh, about, I think, two and a half weeks ago. Um, but we wanted to start having the podcast release on all podcast catchers and then also have it debut on Twitch. So if you want to see the video version of this, instead of checking it out on YouTube, you can also um, you know, uh, join us every two weeks on Twitch. Where we'll be releasing that live. Um, this episode of the podcast is with a good friend of mine, Chobra. Um, he's done a lot of different things in esports. He's been a caster, a translator. He's hosted a lot of major events, including StarCraft events around the world. He's also worked behind the scenes uh, with ESL, helping run the offices in ESL US. Um, and now he's gone into streaming. He's back here in Korea. He's still fairly new. Uh, we talk about a, a lot of different stuff. We start off with the games he's streaming, what it's like to be a streamer. And, um, you know, the, the, the challenges of that, and, and we go a little bit more into industry talk as well. He's also been doing this marathon of the Final Fantasy games, so we talked a little bit about that, too. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. This was a studio-filmed episode, uh, and again, we are airing this on Twitch as well. This took us a long time to build up to this moment, but now, if you're a fan and you want to watch live, we'll have a time that you can tune in and watch the video uh, recording with chat going on and everything else. Uh, it's pretty cool. As always, if you want to support this podcast, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash tasteless podcast. Um, I know some of you guys sub on Twitch. That's also great. That really helps me. But if you want to support the podcast as we're trying to build this and get more equipment, um, if you really appreciate what we're doing here, it goes a long way. It's actually been a while since we've had any Patreon supporters. So if you, uh, if you have the money and, and, and you uh, like what we're doing, it's really appreciated. If not, no problem. And now, without further ado, the episode with Chobra. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, yeah, what, what is going on with your life now with, with COVID and everything? This is my first, by the way, podcast that, that's post-COVID. Everything oh, else. Oh, okay. I did a bunch of recordings <laughs> at Evo that we're releasing that are totally not relevant to anything that's uh, going on now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. got gotcha. how, is, how is your life going now? Uh, it's pretty quiet. Not, yeah. Not, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because not that, not that before COVID was like crazy right mm -hmm. you know every day was still day in day out but um i don't know you know, you know so what, one thing that was interesting to me is like a lot of people on social media were like oh i'm an introvert but like this is affecting me more than i thought and i'm i'm assuming yeah. this is me because i'm in seoul where it's like not as bad right as right. In la where it's like literal lockdown yeah you can't <laughs> so, leave yeah. yeah so maybe that's the difference but to me i was like i don't, I don't know i just like go out to eat less. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always, I feel like in some ways I'd be a good prisoner. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at handling just, yeah. just staying inside and stuff. But I guess for me, the biggest shock is just there are no events anymore. Well, yeah, that's, it's weird. This it's, is fucking up everything for, for people working in esports. Yeah. Well, so it's one crazy. thing that hit me, because obviously like, so I left ESL last year and then, right. Um, you know, did some freelance events, but not so much event stuff, right? I was looking for more like consulting stuff or whatever in the back end. Um, so it didn't affect my cycle too much. But as soon as it started hitting just, you know, all of, you know, people we know that are freelancers, <laughs> just, yeah. like, everyone just shut down immediately. And like their social media shut down because they had nothing to talk about because nothing was going on. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very big change of pace. Very big change of pace. It, it's weird because I saw so many people on Twitter talking about how stream numbers are doing well and then therefore like esports is doing well no yeah and these are not the same thing like just because people are still watching streams doesn't mean that there aren't huge throngs of people uh without work like yeah for me 
events is almost literally 50% of my income. Right. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's <laughs> like just, just trying to like, you know, uh, restructure my life. And, and I mean, I don't have any like big expenses, but sure. just, you know, having, having a blow like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is is huge. Oh, it's and, different from like, Oh, I missed out on like one or two events because of yeah. whatever, like schedule or maybe negotiation. Like that's different from, Oh, I just like can't expect any events yeah. for perhaps the year, right? Like that's a that's a huge blow, and it's it's not even just commentators, right? I think a lot of people forget they're like, oh, but like like commentators, like oh, like you can stream or whatever. First of all, that's like a bad argument too. But on top of that, yeah. it's all the tos, like all their employees, people who yeah, you know, event organizers. Yeah, uh, I mean, just cameramen. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, referees. Uh, it's it's really bad for pro gamers. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't seem like online events will ever have as good of a prize pool. Right, right. Like you can have stuff online so it's not the end of the world, but at the same time, like it's, this is really a huge blow to yeah. like everything. Like I can't even imagine if I were to release a game in this environment <laughs> and then just have no esports it's for like it. It's like focus on esports, but yeah, no events. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I think it's because obviously like the headline was it's, I think it's, it should be that it's surviving better Right, right. Like it's it's built for survival in situations like this, but just because it's surviving better than sports or like music events, it doesn't like make it a great thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a positive. It's not like all right. It's it's also <laughs> it, it's forced everybody to start streaming. And, yeah. And now, how, how long have you been streaming, by the way? So regularly, yeah. probably only after I got to Korea. So like just almost half a year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've only been streaming now for like a month and a half or uh -huh. something. And it was something I actually intended to do, uh -huh. but I got, I, I guess, forced into it. Right. Right. Just <laughs> like I'm seeing a lot of commentators streaming. Yeah. Um, and, and in a way, I mean, that that's good. There's something that we can do. Yeah. Uh, to, to get by. How, but, how, how is streaming for you compared to event hosting and, or working um, in ESL? So I used to always say, because I, I mean, I streamed a little bit regularly when I first was in Korea for OGN, like back in the day. And then and then not much at all, right? Just because of work. But even back then, and then when I started streaming again this time, I always said that I have the utmost respect for like full-time streamers. Yeah. Because it it, it's just very different. Everyone's like, oh, but you're on camera all the time. And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, this isn't the same thing. No, I, yeah, I've had the same conversations where people go, why don't you just stream? And I thought, like, I, I, yeah, do you think these are the same thing at all? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I really like putting on shows and like, right. and, and, or even like doing this podcast, packaging something mm -hmm. together, and then being like, okay, here. Yeah. You can have this, you can watch it forever. <laughs> but um, I will say I'm enjoying streaming a lot. I didn't yeah. know I would like it this much, okay. but I'm really having a lot of fun. That's that's good. I, it took me longer, I think. Um, and I think a, a big part of it is is finding like the type of stream or content you are streaming, right? So, yeah. you know, some people like like pros obviously just stream their game, right? right. They stream it non-stop. And it's not too different. Like they have to care about a couple more things than when they're playing on their own, but and then there's, you know, people who just stream like talk show content or whatever, um, or like even just chatting, right? There are like streamers who just do IRL just, chats. Yeah, like, just all turn the time. a camera on and just that sit there. I can't do. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. But um I think I've uh like I've finally found kind of a direction mm -hmm. where I can just talk a little bit more freely about different games just because even within esports, like that was my I guess, I guess background, right? I jumped right. around so many different games, and while I may not have the most in-depth knowledge of any one genre, like I got to experience, you know, and kind of cross-pollinate across different genres. So whether it's esports or just like single-player games, now that I've found 
that niche, it has become more enjoyable. And it's what I've discovered is it's actually allowing me to enjoy games I wouldn't otherwise on my own. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, like can you give an example? So, so a good example is like any game that has any element of like open world nature or like not that much direction. I don't. I don't do very well. I want my games to be very streamlined. Like, I want oh yeah, okay. So you, you, you normally wouldn't like like Skyrim or I've, Fallout. I've or... tried. I've started Skyrim like three times, and I've yeah. always stopped as soon as you get the first like shout. Yeah. <laughs> like that is what I stop. <laughs> yeah. And uh, same with Fallout. Like I've never gotten through them. Um, and I, a big part of it, I think, is just because for me, like I, I need very clear objectives when I play games. Like yeah. I want to know what I'm doing and why I'm there. And if they're like, here, here's a playground, I'm like. No, like I want to be told what to do so that then I know why I feel cool rather than like making my own story. Uh, I'm just not very good at that, which is weird to say because my yeah. whole job is based on creativity. And I'm like, I'm not very good at creative games. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've had this with some games where it's open world, but it's like, okay, this is too much. Mm. Like mm -hmm. I tried starting Red Dead 2 and I got to like yes. these generals. I mean, I, and first of all, Rockstar games are like really slow. Yes. Like they're just, yes. they're, they're so, mm -hmm. so slow to build up to anything. Um, but like, yeah, I got to this general store and then I found out I can like buy gum or shoot. There was some, <laughs> yeah. something happened in my brand where I was like, no, no, I, 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 I just like, I was like, I'm going to stop playing. And then I never went yeah. back. I was like, that's like too much. And I don't mm -hmm. even want to, I had this with fallout four when they told me I could build a base. Oh, okay. I'm like, it was, that's it was just not, too much stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, and like when I can like sell shit on a trading, like caravan thing, I'm like, I don't. That's too much. I can't, I can't do it. I like it more when I have a very packaged. Like I just played Resident Evil Two, the Which remake. Is great, yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, but it's very, yeah, it's, uh, it's streamlined. Streamlined, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm the same way. Red Dead Two, I think, is a perfect example where I yeah. felt the same way. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, it's slow, but it's cool. I can see why people like it. And, and as soon as I saw that you could do. Like the tagline is like you can do anything, right? But yeah. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. Like I want to do very specific things in yeah. my video yeah. games. Yeah, I like more of a, a tailored experience in that sense. Yeah. I mean, sometimes those games are fun, but yeah, I think generally I find I get turned off. Uh, yeah. So that, but that's one thing where I I realize if I'm streaming, because because I can talk to people about it, right? Whether it's me complaining about it or whether it's me like you know, talking about my thoughts out loud and then people responding or people, you know, sometimes maybe even giving tips like that has made it so I can now enjoy these parts that normally I wouldn't. And I could see more merit in why other people enjoy it. It does seem like there's certain games that are, are better to be social in. Yes. You know, because yes. I think a lot of people like from from the line of work that we both done a lot of, which mm -hmm. is, you know, you're hosting a large event. There's a big right. audience. Um, I think at least for me, I don't know if this is true for you as, as well, but I always thought of streaming as something that I had to be a, a performer in. Mm. Like I had mm -hmm. to put on a show mm -hmm. um, when in reality, it's just people want to hang out yeah. with me and kind of, I guess, see me in my natural habitat, <laughs> you know? Um, and once I, once I figured that out, and I mean, I'm very new to streaming still, but once right. I realized that, I'm like, oh, okay, it, now, now I get it. Yeah. No, I, I agree because it used to, I think it, not that stream, not that streaming's easy in any way, right? Not to take away from the like effort it takes, especially for people who have been doing it for a long time. But um, I think I put on the wrong type of stress, I think is the right way to put it. Like you said, where it, in my head, if I'm ever going live in any environment, yeah. right? Especially if there's a camera involved, but even if not, like even just audio, if I am going live, like I need to be in a very specific state of mind and a very specific tone. Um, 
but I, I actually went back and watched some of my earlier streams and that made it like more boring, right? Cause it was, it, because it was so curated and it's like, that's not why people are there. Like you said, they just want to find a certain type of community. I mean, sometimes they're there because of like very specific things like gameplay or, you know, high level gameplay. But a lot of times it's just like, you just want to hang out. Like you just want that right. experience of going to a friend's house and sitting on the couch and like playing games or watching TV together. Um, and once I found kind of a, a smaller group of people that I found that with in terms of in chat, and then I started realizing, okay, now I can take this a little bit more relaxed. Again, still a lot of thinking and prepping about like, how do I want to do this if I'm playing a different game or, or whatever, but uh, very different from preparing for an event. Do you find uh, when you're switching from game to game that you get pushback on that? I know sometimes someone will stream a certain game and then it's like, I thought this was like... A a PUBG stream or, you know, what the fuck? My, my favorite. Yeah. Have you seen the clip from um, Tim, Tim the Tap Man? I think where, I know. Where I, I don't know this guy's name, but I think I've seen him <laughs> yeah, yeah, talk about this. He's like, Valor made you. And then yeah. he says, PUBG made you. Like, you see that a lot of yeah. games? Yeah. I, I have no, even, even with very small numbers, I've noticed that, right? Yeah. Um, like, uh, like, I'd be playing uh, Final Fantasy and then... I'd finish like one Final Fantasy and I'd want to take a break because they're they're very long games. So I'd play some Valorant and people are like, oh, like when are you playing the next Final Fantasy? And then they just like leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, never yeah. to be seen again. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like we could still hang out. Like we're yeah. still just <laughs> chatting, but like they're they're there for other experiences, right? And they, they would rather go to a different channel. And some of them come back when, you know, I return to certain games. And same with like Valorant or League where people will be like, oh, like you're not playing... Like, are you not playing this game anymore? Like, I get that. And it's, I, I thought it was more of a meme when the bigger streamers that have been doing it for a long time talk about it. I yeah. thought it was more viewers just wanting to, I don't know, get attention. But now I'm realizing that it, it, I guess it means a lot more to people than I thought. And I don't mean that in an offensive way, but I, I say this to my stream all the time. Like, I don't want, I used to not watch streams at all. Like, I only watch streams because of like esports and now because I stream because right. it's like kind of my job now yeah. to, to pay attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise I used to, I'm like very bad with like, I don't watch YouTube videos in my pastime. I don't, I don't watch streams. So I think it took a lot more for me to understand why people are there, I guess. Or I guess also people <laughs> having the connection with you to a certain game. Right. As yeah. Well. Yeah. They you know, it's like, like, it's like if an actor, you know, makes their debut in a certain movie right and you're, right. you're that guy or you're the yeah. apple guy you're almost like it's like those there's always these guys uh in movies that or tv they get typecasted as like a cop or a general you know what i mean where it's like this guy's been a general in like six different uh, catastrophe movies he's always the general that's like not listening to the scientists like you'll see this they're like yeah. guys that have just played cops and yeah yeah, I think uh, sometimes if you're a streamer it's almost like you want to get people type want to typecast you yeah into a yeah. certain thing um, so how has Final Fantasy been streaming? Because I've been following your Twitter. It's changed. Was, was now? Did you play the original Final Fantasy VII? No. Okay, that's uh, how old are you? No, I'm no. thirty-one. You're thirty-one. Okay, yeah. I'm thirty-five or thirty. I think I'm thirty-five. Yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah, because I first experienced Final Fantasy VII, I must have been in like sixth grade. Right. Uh, yeah, I've, it was I, mind blowing for me. So I I didn't grow up with. I, I was full Nintendo growing up um and then so then were you were you started on super nintendo for that age group or was that uh, nintendo well 64? i got a i got a nes like hand me down okay then, and then super nintendo was like the first one we owned as a family yeah um and then it was just all the way through the wii i only ever had 
a Nintendo, and then just a PC. And the first other console I ever owned was um, an Xbox One and a PS4 in 2015 oh gosh, okay. so like i missed out on a lot yeah that's a lot of history that's <laughs> all it's a lot of but history. so you never played any of the final fantasies so i played uh, i played um <laughs> crystal chronicles because that was on gamecube it was oh, like right. a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a spinoff game and then um i played 15 when it came out on ps4 uh and that was when i realized like i just have a very different viewpoint of final fantasy because to me like i've seen clips of final fantasy right and i always thought oh this universe seems cool like i think i'd enjoy it and so 15 to me was just mind-blowing. It was like the greatest game. Yeah. But then all the Final Fantasy fans were like, ah, it was okay. It wasn't yeah. that great. And I was like, this is, this is the best. <laughs> you guys <laughs> yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, so then I played 7 Remake when it came out without ever playing the original. So you never knew the story. So, and, just, and I never, apparently I somehow dodged, lived under a cave and dodged like all the spoilers ever yeah. in Final Fantasy 7. I just had no idea. This is so crazy to me because just that there was a couple games from my childhood that were just so impactful, mm-hmm. and the original Final Fantasy VII was like, I mean, right. I, re- I remember where I was <laughs> when I saw, and I, I didn't even, it was like my friend's older brother, I was at his okay. house, and I saw him playing, and I was like, whoa, like, right. you can tell a story like this now? Yeah. Um, and I guess there was that, and Metal Gear Solid. Mm, and like yeah. a few other games mm-hmm. where it's like this is crazy, right? Um, but I, I I can't imagine like having never experienced it before and then experiencing it now. It so it was, and that's what got me started on this whole like train of Final Fantasy games that I'm mm-hmm. streaming now is, so even during remake before I played the original seven, um, like seeing all the reactions of the OG fans of the classic Final Fantasy games, yeah, and how. Like, for instance, we'd see a cutscene of, like, Sephiroth in, in the remake, right? And I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, I've heard his name. He yeah. seems really badass. But then people in chat are going crazy for different reasons because yeah. they're just like, oh, this is just like I imagined it when yeah. I saw it in the older graphics, right? It's actually, if you go back to the old Final Fantasy, it's, like, unplayable. Like, Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. It, it seriously is. I had, um, this was a, a, a girl I dated a couple years back. She had was really into games but didn't grow up with them okay and she wanted to know what the classics were and i said well you should play final <laughs> fantasy 7 and um i downloaded it for her and she just i like the, the have you seen the, the pictures like their hands look like fucking brooms yeah 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 you know yeah. And, and it's it, the graphics are so bad and then it, the combat system's actually just well it's, it's like not a game yeah so yeah. i'm playing like all the older ones now and obviously some of them have like remasters or whatever but yeah. it's it's actually gotten me to enjoy thinking about like game design a lot more. Yeah. Cause the, the first thing I realized, well, obviously graphics. And then the second thing was there's just like no direct, like they don't explain anything. No. Like we just all have to figure it out on our own. Like you had to do so much testing and then obviously like quick saves weren't a thing. So your testing time was very valuable back in the day. Yeah. But these days there's like tutorials just, in, you don't even have to go to the internet. It's just all in game or you just press yeah. a button and it tells you what to do, where to go. Um, I mean, in the original Final Fantasy, like on the one on Nintendo, I, they, they didn't even tell you what the spells did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't know if, if this cures poison. It's right. not labeled that well. Right. It's, you know, <laughs> bad Japanese translation. Yeah. So it was like such a, it was kind of like a hardcore thing if you could push through and get it. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's it's been fun because, so I've, I've now played Remake. Uh, I did play the original seven afterwards, eight and nine. And um, after each game, like, I'll ask chat, so, like, what I miss. And there's just, like, this 
huge array of things that I just wasn't utilizing yeah. that could have made my life so much easier. And they're like, oh yeah, you you like actually had this spell the whole time, and then you like I there it was in it was in um the original seven, I. I apparently had regen the whole time where you just get, you know, passive regen going if you cast it, but oh. I didn't know. It, I like I just didn't read over it. Yeah, this this happened. Okay, so I think there's something to this cuz like, you know, we have have backgrounds in games like StarCraft or League of Legends mm -hmm. and a lot of these games you're mostly just you're given what you have. Yes. And and the idea of of endlessly leveling up and right. having to research new weapons or spells. Right. I mean for me, I've had so many games where I'm playing through and I don't realize, okay, I need to like, if I just upgrade this thing yeah. or like if you just go into the, the move list, right? you know, or you have something that'll regen you there. Cause I just, I like, I, whenever I get items in a game, I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just yeah, you grab everything. I, I don't, you know, I've had so many RPGs where I've played through and just looked in the inventory. I've been like, what the fuck is all this stuff? Yeah, you yeah. know, no, I'm like, with you. Yeah. It's, it's, but I think part of me having that experience comes from a background of playing games where yeah you, you just you, what you start out with is what you have exactly you have a very specific arsenal um and, and also it's not um like for instance whether it's build trees or skill trees and like mmos or you know build trees in starcraft or even league it's it's pretty easy to like discover it right mm -hmm. it doesn't take digging and leveling up and then it like pops up secretly in the menu and you have to check it every time like that yeah. doesn't happen you click on it and it's grayed out but you see oh like that looks cool like i want to build that and then you can experiment and, and you learn from there um so i think that's part of it is you know it's like even in online games i, I often have trouble branching out right because right. I'll, I'll realize a build and i really like it and then i'm like why would i ever change it like yeah. it works yeah <laughs> like, i'm comfortable with this <laughs> so so how, what final fantasies have you gone through now is, so, and I'm not sure about this, but is this a thing where you're going to try to go through? Yeah, well, it's become that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that has now yeah. become the plan. Um, so starting with remake, I, obviously I played 15 when it came out. Remake, original seven, um, Crisis Core, and then eight and nine, um, and now waiting to start ten. Ten's well, good. I, everyone's so originally so, I was gonna stop after nine and take a break. No, 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 no you can't. Everyone's like, no, you no, can't no, do you that. Yeah. Play that. So I okay. So here's my Final Fantasy uh, history. Okay. Is, uh, I actually started with the first Final Fantasy. Oh dang! I I started with the first Final Fantasy. Um, I must have been in elementary school, and it, and it blew my mind because it was just there was nothing oh that was like that. Right. Um, and, and so to kind of have that experience, and then I saw seven. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, like whoa, this. <laughs> like, this is so crazy. I had just beaten Final Fantasy 1, and it, this was still like a, a kind of a vintage game. Right. At the yeah, time, yeah. I mean, it, you know, Nintendo was old, old, old right. even then. I'm in like sixth grade or something. I beat 7, which is uh, amazing. Uh, Final Fantasy 6, are you going to go back and, and play that? This so, is 3 in America, by the way. Right, right. So originally I wasn't, but then yeah. everyone was like, no, you need to. So now I'm wondering if, if that might be I the best one. back. Yeah, because so the reason I was interested once I started the original seven was now I was invested in because I've heard so many arguments about like seven's the best, ten's the best, nine's the yeah. best, whatever. So I was like, oh, I want to try it all like now in 2020 and see if I have very like strongly different opinions. Right. Because obviously there's elements of nostalgia and graphics and whatever. Right. I think also people play these games at certain ages yeah. when they're in certain periods of their life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for you know, for me, when I played Final Fantasy seven, that was like. I was a little kid, and this was like the first, I think, adult oh, okay, story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that there's much adult. I mean, you know, your character falls in love, and you're you're working for a terrorist organization that's like 
fighting to save the planet. I mean, there's a lot of stuff where you're like, okay, right. this is like a pretty, I guess it'd be like on par of like Star Wars or something, mm-hmm. you know, where you're like, okay, this is a universe and I'm, I'm getting really into it. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I kind of oh, went. well, we were talking about six. So, yeah. so originally it wasn't in my plans. I was kind of, kind of go with like the 3D line of Final Fantasies, but then it's because six seems to be so regarded so highly, I'm thinking I'll probably go back and play it at some point. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how you like it because okay. there's a whole, you know, with all these classic Final Fantasies, there's a lot of grinding. And, right. And, and kind of, it, <laughs> like, have you heard of Final Fantasy Mystic Quest? No. Don't play it. It's, it's not okay. even made by the same people, okay. but it's like only grinding. Like there's like uh, no story. Okay. But somehow this is like a game that people like made and other people spent money, their money and, and played it and beat it. And it, it's very weird to go back and look where you're like, huh. games were in a different time then. But um, I'm curious to see what you think of six because the universe is very good, but I do think it's somewhat bare bones for, okay. I guess, huh. it, yeah, it's, world building. It's weird. So, so seven and eight, I inadvertently like didn't grind at all like seven i missed like every side quest other than luckily finding yuffie and vincent as optional characters i didn't obviously i didn't even know they were optional to me that just seemed a natural flow of progression but i because because i just come off of playing remake with seven i was so intent on figuring out the story so i just like grinded the main story only like i didn't farm anything i I got a question and correct me if i'm wrong here but because i i have the final fantasy 7 remake and i've maybe played like five hours of it and i'm I'm obviously far from finishing it but it's not the whole final fantasy 7 story right it's just it's uh, just midgar Midgar, right so and that's a that's like the first part where my mind was blown because i played the original i was like this is like eight hours of gameplay, and then yeah. the remake's like forty hours of gameplay. Yeah, yeah. That's. Are, are they going to make more? The remake? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's they're gonna specified play. on how many parts they're going to divide it into, but I think okay. the intent is to like finish the whole story. Oh, that's good to hear because I kind of got turned off when I found it. It was just. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, wait a minute, but the whole, <laughs> the whole story is because it, it, it's such. You know, this was. Uh, I mean, for younger people that are watching or listening to this, I mean. This was a crazy concept to have a game that was like a hundred right. hours, right? Right. To be, yeah. you know, it's basically the equivalent of those like those big thick fantasy novels where you you know you gotta. It's like you if you if you've gone through a whole series, you've read four thousand pages. Right. Yeah, um, no, that's 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 a good comparison. Yeah, where it, you know it's a commitment. Yes, it's a commitment, and there's yeah. just so much love and and craft put into that world. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot you can get out of it, but yeah, it was it was a crazy thing back then, but. I'm relieved now to hear that they're going to have other yes, chapters. Yes, I was yes. almost <laughs> turned off. I wanted to stop. Um, and so you've done eight and nine. Now, how did that compare to seven? So out of the three, eight's definitely the lowest. Not mm-hmm. and and I think it, it to me it just felt like they tried too many new things because like every if I look at every part aspect of eight separately i think it's really cool but because it was all new it just like wasn't explained well and it wasn't that fleshed out um i'm actually debating if i like nine more than seven but if so it's probably only because i'm discovering that maybe i just like like the traditional high fantasy environment Mm. more than somewhat like tech yeah some of those final fantasies man i see them and they're like four guys driving around in a car and i'm like what the (laughs) fuck there's cars you know what I mean? Like, just like a Japanese, like a, a Toyota, like a high-end. I'm like, I thought there were, like, dragons yeah. in the world yeah. and, you know, and, and, and spirits. And now there's, like, a car that's, like, fucking pump gasoline into this thing. And, like, 
It's got probably has airbags in it. Right. I'm like, this just takes me out. <laughs> yeah. Which was that 15? That's 15. Yeah, the, I was the like, road trip. <laughs> the bro road trip. <laughs> yeah, 15. I was like, whoa. That's just weird <laughs> for me. I. Oh man. Yeah, but, it's, it's so nine because it's like fully traditional high fantasy, right? It's all medieval and castles yeah. and, and. Well, dragons. nine, I believe they try to take the artwork from one. Oh, the, is that the what classic? It was? Yeah, the, they, it's so I. People were telling me like the soundtracks all like kind of variations of the original and whatever. Yeah. it's a it's a big throwback to the original. So, um, so I'm thinking maybe I just like that setting more. And, yeah. and also a big thing was nine. The characters are all very specific archetypes. Like as soon as you get them, you're like, oh, that's like my healer, right? And that's my mage and whatever. Whereas seven and eight, like you can you can experiment or you can have some fun and, and switch it around and use them for whatever I guess like type you want but nine because like the weapons determine your abilities and, and things like that i think that's one of those things again where i'm like oh i just want it i just want to be told like what this yeah, character yeah. is like i want to experiment and deal with all that so yeah, you don't want that ambiguity yeah, yeah but but i i think like i can totally see why seven is regarded so much because if i think back to when it was released like i totally get that everyone's mind was blown both in in every aspect like graphics yeah. story um, it was everything. three CDs when it came out. Yeah, exactly. Which was just like, <laughs> you know, what? You know, and then you're like, oh, well, that's just the first CD. You haven't even gotten to right. this whole other part in the game and the yeah. second CD. It, one thing I've wondered, and I guess this is always true for, for different, um, different games, mm -hmm. different genres, uh, is that they, they, they stay popular and oftentimes they'll fade off. Like nobody's uh -huh. making MOBAs right now. Right. Now Japanese RPGs when I was a kid mm -hmm. were so hot. Right. I mean, in, in America, I mean, it was like, <laughs> there was a period where I was just trying to buy any RPG and play through it. Uh -huh. um, and now Japanese RPGs actually don't do well at yeah. all. They don't sell. Yeah. I mean, they still make them, but it's very niche. And yeah, it's, it's much more of like a cult following at this point. Yeah. You know? It's almost like, um, I mean, these are even older games, but I grew up also playing point-and-click adventure games, mm, like mm -hmm. King's Quest mm -hmm. or um, Monkey's Island. Yeah, yeah. And, like, know. they also still make those games, but it's all yeah. indie. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, it's, it's, and like, I'll buy them. Right. These are the games I actually play before I go to bed. <laughs> it's like, it's just kind of, lets my brain calm down and, and I can conk out. But um, it seems like Japanese RPGs are, are, are in the same state. Now, you're going through kind of the history of Final right. Fantasy. Right. Um, even though you started with 15 and then you kind of <laughs> gone yeah. back. So uh, what is your take on, on why Japanese RPGs, like a lot of people listening to this will not even That's get true. what we're talking about that when I say true. JRPG. Yeah, you're right. What, what happened, do you think? Uh, you know, I, it's, it's weird. So obviously, because we've been talking, I've constantly been saying I, I want to be told what to do. And I, but at the same time, like, I don't want my game simple, right? Right. Um, like, there's a reason people who like StarCraft like StarCraft. It's not simple. <laughs> like, it's right. not convoluted, but it's not simple, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a very complex game. And I think just overall, I think even single-player games are maybe hit with this idea of... These days, I think people are just more impatient when it comes to okay. when it comes to gaming, and you just want your adrenaline hits like more often. And when it comes to JRPGs, like the the whole aspect of a JRPG is that there's a big payout, but but you have to work for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what kind of makes them JRPGs, right? You have to grind and you have to discover these like secret side quests and get the ultimate weapons, and and that's what makes them cool. And there's a story 
but the story is also like a hundred hours. So right. um, if you're not getting a dopamine hit like every hour, uh, you you probably get lost. Uh, and and sometimes, for instance, that's probably why I have trouble with things like Skyrim, right? Because if right. I'm if I'm not progressing the story and I get lost in this open world, after two days, I'm like, what am I even doing, right? Like, who who wants yeah. my character? <laughs> What's the story? I, like, I forget and I just move on. So I think it's just it. It's part of it is probably length. Right, just the way the like everything's faster these days, right? Not just games, just tech and transportation. Everything just has to be quicker and faster. Um, so part of it's length, but I think it's also just not to say that like gamers have become lazy per se, but um, I think just culturally around the world, like people just want their like the effects more often. Like it, you know, it, it almost sounds like we're describing a drug, but like I think that's the same anywhere, right? Whether it's like say even food, right? Like people want to try like this whole idea of going to, you know, the best like Yelp reviews or whatever more often is now just a thing. Whereas back in the day, like you just went to the same restaurant and you like yeah. had your the same dish like, you know, once once a week or whatever and you were fine with it. But these days it's like, "Oh, I got to try this like new dish or new restaurant open up, I got to go." And I think that's just become this cultural cycle. So for games where it's like, "Oh, I have to commit to this for like who knows how many weeks depending yeah. on my like regular life schedule." Like that's crazy. I mean, for me, like I'm kind of cracking down on each final fantasy per week but that's because i'm like streaming it like eight hours a day every day uh, not everyone can afford to do that right so i think that's a big part where people are just like if i'm spending 60 dollars, this technically has more content but i just want to i just want to like get it done like i just want to have fun with it as soon as i start it to the end and then like finished and then go to the next game i i also wonder if at that period of time the way the games are made a japanese rpg was the easiest way to also tell a story that could be where, it too. you know i mean it was in that time period it was mostly if you look at the way stories were told in games mm -hmm. you, you didn't have a lot of ways to, i mean yeah for instance in that in this era this is of the time where there were beat-em-ups mm -hmm. where you have like two or two or four characters depending on what system you're on and you're just fighting off all yeah. these uh, very beatable minions, and, and you know, you're walking from left to right. Yeah, um, and it's hard to get a story in there. That's but it, true. in an RPG, you can have towns you walk through and talk to people, yeah. um, and that can be separated from the combat mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way. And I wonder if that's part of it too. Yeah, I mean, so one of the biggest things I I realized was I was impressed with how much story like seven, eight, and nine were able to tell without. I mean, nine had way more cutscenes, um, and eight as well. But um, without like rely, for instance, they don't have voice acting, right? So when I'm streaming them, like I'm voice acting every character, right? Uh, but then I had just played remake where it's it's just a movie, and then you like have combat in between, like there's cutscenes, yeah. and you know even when you're walking around, there's dialogue. And so that's probably a big part of it, too. Because, for instance, Remake is not the traditional JRPG, right? It's an action RPG. Um, and so it's a very different formula uh, in, in how they've... And, I, and that's one thing that impressed me. They kind of kept the core, like the materia system and all that of the original. But then, you know, the whole combat system seems to work well in the modern age. Um, but I think that's a way that they've revived that genre, is they've yeah. adjusted it to now tell stories in a different way and then also make the combat feel a bit more like part of the story rather than oh now like going back to the combat scene and you just grinding levels like it's a very different thing do, do you find um you know you're going back and basically playing these classics mm -hmm. and i think particularly from final fantasy 7 uh through 10 basically mm -hmm. was like for that you know final fantasy 
the Final Fantasy franchise has been around for so long, but that, for me at least, was kind of the peak of okay, yeah. that series of games. There was a certain style to them. Do you find it hard, as someone who obviously plays a lot of modern games, to mm-hmm. go back and do that whole turn-based combat system? No, I, I actually, I've always liked turn-based games, whether they're turn-based RPGs or like strategic RPGs, turn-based strategy, right? Um, I, I've always liked it. I think there is a good, like, it's just a different layer of, and, and there's still like, you know, if you have the, uh, especially in Final Fantasy, if you have it so that it's constant action, like real action um, or real time action, like there's still a level of like micro that you have to calculate, right? In terms of timing and whatever, but um, I, I didn't have trouble adjusting to it. I actually kind of miss it, but I can see why it may not be as appealing these days. Again, it's just, it, it perhaps doesn't feel as impactful than, you know, pressing a button and like actually swinging a sword or like yeah. shooting a weapon. So it, it's definitely now that, now that we've seen what game engines can do and like show us in terms of entertainment, um, maybe turn-based strategy or like turn-based games are not as impactful. One thing about the very first Final Fantasy is, is it's so, obviously it's, it's on NES. Right. <laughs> um, and so when I was playing it as a kid, I was filling in all the, the story gaps. Right. You know, I mean, it's, in some level, it's almost like reading a book, right? Yeah. I mean, they tell you what, what the town is, right. and you look at a map, and you're kind of imagining almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as each game has come out, you know, they've, you know, because games are getting so crazy now. Yes. I mean, you can just make stuff look yeah. at, you can, you no longer have to use your imagination in <laughs> right. a sense, uh, which is in some ways really good, but I've found, and I, you'll even see this through the progression of seven into 10, mm-hmm. and then if you go all the way to 15, is how much more Japanese-y oh. the games begin to come, <laughs> to become. You know, we're okay, like, yeah. if you look at like the, you know, some of the artwork for Final Fantasy VII, you're like, okay, cool, it kind of looks kind of anime, but like right. by the time, I can't remember. There was one I got. Maybe it was Final Fantasy eleven or no twelve or thirteen or something. Okay. Where it was, it was, it was so anime-ish. I think both twelve and thirteen are kind of considered like that. Just yeah. Like graphics and yeah, and aesthetics. Where, where it almost it, like I guess it wasn't the way I had envisioned. Sure. The, the uh. game, even though I mean, I, it, I mean, I've been to Japan a couple times, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's everything is very anime, and it's a certain way. But for me, growing up, it, it wasn't. Mm. I guess the way I kind of. Right, sorted it in my head, but I I always wondered with some of the long form storytelling that these games that put out, do, does that do you think that's turned some people off to it? Because you know some people love mm-hmm. anime, other people mm-hmm. are not that into mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you know, I, I I would I mean it's definitely more polarizing. Yeah, but at at the same time, I mean, like you said, it's just as tech has evolved, right? It's just become the natural progression that you. You just go with it. You use the engines as they get better, and then you're you're able to tell your story. So I think from a, for instance, from a um, like game dev and producer standpoint, obviously now you get to really tell the story as you envisioned it. But at the same time, you're definitely losing out on a bit of the audience because, um, like for instance, if there's no voice actors, like everyone's going to imagine the voices a little differently. Or, yeah. Right. Like into the character, and, well, and and that alone tells a different story. And you're going to experience this with Titus. Okay. Oh, uh, is that wait? In, is this in the Final Fantasy that laughs? Ten, is he yeah. the one that laughs? The actual the, the voice actor that did Titus, I think his name is Quentin Flynn. He's okay. the same voice. Did you do you play Metal Gear Solid at all? No. So Metal Gear Solid Two, um, you don't play a snake for most of the game. You play as a character called Riotin. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of people hated Ryan. Okay. His long blonde haired mm-hmm. um, ninja guy. Uh, Quentin Flynn, and I think that's his name. Actually, Ryan, can you just double check this? Uh, on the, thanks, man. Um, is the same voice actor for Titus. Oh. Ryan and Titus. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. And so, like, this guy voiced two, I guess, unlikable characters. But, you know, I think there's something to the voice acting with both of those characters where. It just didn't. He was a little bit too obnoxious at points in time. And gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I'm curious to see what you think of that. Now voice acting in games is well, impeccable. Yes, but. yes. Yeah, it's come a long way. But but even now, like, for instance, what was crazy to me um, was people were complaining about the voice acting in 7 Remake, Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Oh, really? I thought and, it was quite good. But for me, I thought it was, like, one of the best voicing and acting I've ever seen in a video game. Yeah. But a lot of people were saying that, that's just not how they envisioned like Eren oh, or Tifa. Wow. And I was like, are you serious? Like, this is exactly how I see this. But, but I've never seen them in the original, right? So then right. going back to original, all I could do was hear the voices in remake and, oh, and yeah. dub them over. But so I think that's one of those things where it, I think one of the coolest things about Final Fantasy VII Remake is that it, it's really shown to light the power that older games had. And maybe some things like you said that we've lost along the way just because things evolved that way in terms of tech and just meta in terms of genres and things like that where um yeah like you said like we don't, you don't have to imagine anything anymore it's just there it's just you there see yeah it, you it's hear just... it yeah sometimes you know now with vr right like you're there like you're literally in the world and, yeah and you just don't have to imagine it and sometimes it's it makes cooler experiences but other times i don't think it lasts as much and it doesn't maybe hold as much meaning for for different people whereas final fantasy 7 like obviously everyone who played it at the time like it held a lot of meaning for you but maybe in different ways so japanese companies are having huge successes with remakes yes <laughs> like it's crazy <laughs> yeah. like i so um nathanius was always telling me i got to go back and play the resident evils he's a big yeah, resident evil I, fan I, and i'm like that. yeah yeah i mean i want to but you know, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. I, I, the only Resident Evil I ever beat was Seven. Was just oh okay w- when it came out, I I played through that. Um, but you know, Resident Evil Two came out not long ago. Three has just come out. Yeah, and these remakes are crushing it. Um, and this is where I, this conversation is going to kind of take a twist here. But like, okay. for instance, with Blizzard remaking <laughs> Warcraft Three, and this remastering is a disaster. Yes. I'm I'm curious, like, how is it on one side of the globe? The remastered games are, and granted, these are different games. One's an RTS, and, and the other True. one is a uh, kind of survival horror game. But mm-hmm. uh, they're having so much success yeah. with this to the point where they're actually just making a better version of the old game. Right. You know, like yeah. I, I did a whole bunch of research after I beat Resident Evil 2, and I thought, oh my God, this is. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad that they remade this for me because I would have just missed it. Yeah. Um, what, what is your take? I guess the first part of the question would be uh, what the Japanese are doing correctly sure, in this sure. process because there's been several remakes mm-hmm. of games that have all seemed to have done very well. People yeah. are very happy. Um, and then I guess what's happening with Blizzard, and I don't know if there are other remakes that have come out recently for Western games, but you know, Blizzard's been going back and I redoing. mean, Call of Duty's had like remasters or HD versions. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Skyrim, they're just releasing it on I mean, everything that's ever... <laughs> fair. Yeah, that runs it, but... Um, Call of Duty's probably the only other like blockbuster name i could think of that that's done it more than once um to varying degrees of success but yeah i I think in terms of the japanese ones like you said obviously um 
assuming they're different genres, right? And there's different factors. I think you hit it on, you hit the nail on the head where, when you said they're, they're just making it better, right? And not just in terms of just UI or just graphics, but they're, they, it, it's very clear to the player, whether you're new to it or not, that they've said, okay, we can make the graphics obviously better and some of the UI and experience, but then how does that affect like the storytelling, right? How does that affect the voice acting and the cutscenes? Like maybe we need to add more cutscenes. Maybe we need to change some of them. And I think now it's made it where it's, it's even if it's like a remaster per se, it, all, all of the successful ones almost seem like reimaginings in the current engine basically, um, where it's doing justice for people who had nostalgia, but like you said, for people who maybe missed out on it, you're able to enjoy it without having to always keep in mind, oh, like it's an old game, just let it pass. Like, yeah, without, without the distraction of like, well, this was 1996. Yeah, exactly. Okay? And the, you know, that's what a computer could run. Right, yeah, you don't have to think about that. They've just made it um, where it's entirely new. When it comes to some of these other games, you know, whether it's Warcraft or even Call of Duty, I would say Call of Duty, so Call of Duty had the like remastered for um, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare. Uh, where they had both, I think, the campaign and multiplayer, or was it maybe even just multiplayer? But that did well, but that was partly because that year the Call of Duty that released wasn't doing well. Right. So like people wanted that nostalgia trip more than the current game. Like They just didn't like the current game. Uh, now Modern Warfare 2 just released as a remaster, and they made this weird decision. I, I get it, but they made this decision to only release the campaign and not the multiplayer aspect. And I played through it because I really liked uh, the original, so I streamed it. But I think it's thirty bucks, and I was like, "This is not worth thirty bucks." Like the campaign's yeah. not long, you know. Call of Duty campaigns aren't long. It looks great, it plays great, but it's it's also not like it just looks better, right? And none of the cutscenes have drastically changed. It, it's just the same experience as I imagined. It just looks better, so it it almost just simply justifies me playing, spending the time to play it again without going through the like worst graphics that's the only thing it changed for me it didn't change the experience or make me really realize like how impactful it was at the time um i think i almost would have gotten that feeling better if i went back and played the original instead of playing like a remaster uh, and i i think there's this expectation of especially for games that have multiplayer aspects right like warcraft it's i i think the expectation is well you like you could have just literally just upgraded like say the graphics right and people yeah. are still playing the original and it's a multiplayer experience and it's a very user created experience so like if you're gonna sell a new version like you need something new you it can't just be when it comes to like a multiplayer game i think it's hard for gamers to accept that or or even but you know i mean when, when they released it it wasn't even finished well uh, well they didn't even I have mean, a ladder a, to be know. fair that's like a whole that's just a problem right yeah, so, just, but like <laughs> what, what what is happening with with blizzard in like a, a game like this like warcraft 3 i think it's about 17 years old right very okay? very old. And people are still yeah. playing it yeah uh and you know some people that might watch this and think nobody plays it actually it's it's very yeah. popular and it's it's quite it's big incredible. in china yeah um blizzard releases yeah this is the worst thing, by the way, that Blizzard's ever done. This is awkward because I cast their games. But this is like, I mean, the Hong it's, Kong thing was scary. Yeah. But it's also like, okay, th this is an interesting conversation. What is, our, you know, right. China's role in the world? And, and, sure. and, you know, should they have access to the games mm -hmm. and the, the politics? and my, Very complicated situation, yes. right? Diablo Immortal, maybe that game's going to be good. 
right. I, I'm open-minded. I sure. didn't think I would like Hearthstone. I loved it okay, when it came yeah. out. Um, there is a stigma with cell phone games. Probably not a good idea to announce it. Right. That was and, the mistake. But like it's not the, the keynote. Yeah, it's yeah. not the game's fault. And, and I don't know. Maybe that's the game I play when I'm on the train going to GSL. I don't know. Right. I'm trying to be open-minded here. But, but. <laughs> the Warcraft remastered thing, this is proving that Blizzard like can't make games. They can't even yeah. make games that they've already made. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, and, and also, like, they release something that's not finished. With, I, it's a 17-year-old game. You don't have to rush it. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. I, I do wonder if, do you think it has anything to do with the whole cycle of early access games these days? Right? I was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that I think companies have gotten so comfortable just releasing basically hunks of garbage and then, like, we'll fix it in six months yeah. or we'll fix it in a year. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and the, the expectation that the players are supposed to sit around. Now, here's what's unfortunate <laughs> if you're a Warcraft 3 guy. You don't have any other game. Right. <laughs> There's nothing else that you can... That you don't go, fuck this, I'm going to go... To the other Warcraft right, three game, yeah. no, there's nothing. There's nothing else. It's 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 literally the most unique, even out of RTS. Right. People it's its own thing. people oscillate between StarCraft one and StarCraft two. There's nowhere to go, so they have to wait around. <laughs> but it just seems like such an odd, self-inflicted wound. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I I think they're you're right. The standard is early access is okay. Yeah. And we'll kind of sit around and keep mm. tuning it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've I think Blizzard has basically. I think the shareholders probably put a lot of pressure on them. Uh, uh, true. Uh, yeah. And I think shareholders are partially responsible for screwing up games in mm. general. Yeah. Uh, because they want to make money more quickly mm-hmm. instead of just, I think in the long term, if they put out a really good product and people <laughs> trust them, you probably make more money guaranteed in the long right. run that way. But also, um, yeah, like there was probably so much money that Blizzard could have made in Warcraft 3 in China in esports. Yeah, I was, I was shocked then, when. Yeah. I saw what was happening, like what state it was in yeah. when, it, when it caught release. Because every, everyone was very excited, right? Yeah. Everyone had, everyone was like, this is, Blizzard's going to bring it back, right? They're going to turn things around. And it's going to be a Blizzard we've, we've always known and loved. Like they've made some mistakes. It's okay. And then it was like, oh, like let us one up ourselves <laughs> and make the greatest mistake we could. Well, <laughs> like think about this. Like there's all this money going into Overwatch League. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going great. Right, yeah. It's not meeting their expectations. Now, coronavirus is also screwing up all of esports. True. But that aside, mm-hmm. um, I've worked in and out of China a lot. Uh-huh. And I've worked there when there's a Warcraft 3 game going on. They are nuts yeah. for Warcraft 3. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're the most crazy fans ever. <laughs> that country loves that game. That's the biggest country in the world, just from a, a pure business standpoint. Even. Right. It seems like they've screwed up the Warcraft 3 opportunity in China, yeah. in, in, in Europe, where Warcraft 3 is also quite popular. I'm just blown away that Blizzard's able to, to, to get themselves into a position like this, <laughs> you know. I, so going, I think talking about the whole culture of like early access and different standards, it's funny to me. I, I don't think a lot of people, even now, realize that like, okay, let's say that this whole early access thing, like, it's just the way we have to accept it now. But but right. that even that is, like, pretty limited, actually, to the West, and if, if anything, maybe more so the U.S., right? Because, for instance, if you look at um, Korea, even, like, people are playing Sudden Attack. Sudden Attack killed Sudden Attack 2, 
right? Like Chris right. Anantu yeah. wasn't good enough. This, this, <laughs> yeah. People were like, oh, we're going back to the way older game that's like six, seven years old because we know that's finished. For, for people listening that probably, a lot of people probably don't know what Sudden Not Attack is, this is a Counter-Strike carbon copy. Yes. There's a lot of these that are going around and are played in countries where Counter-Strike's not big. Right. Um, and that's Sudden Attack in Korea. Yeah, but so so the quick history is Sudden Attack, the original is very, very old, over 10 years old, I think. And then Sudden Attack 2 was released in the middle. Um, it went through a bunch of like other business and political turmoil. But the bottom line was because of that, gamers were like, we'd rather play the game we know and love and is finished and we just know what to expect from one even if the graphics engine is like worse and the game you know just plays maybe worse because of how old it is and so sudden attack one to this day is still like one of the most played fps games online in, in the Korea. world yeah. Yeah. yeah and so then like valorant comes out right and i see all this talk in korea where they're like like, do people not realize? Like, people went back to Sun Attack One after Sun yeah. Attack Two. Like, they're not gonna not the Sun Attack community is not suddenly gonna be like, oh, Valorant just looks better. We're gonna switch. Like, that's not what makes people switch. This was the same thing that happened with Korea and StarCraft too. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is that people are so into what was StarCraft One? It's, right. it's hard. I think Blizzard was pretty shocked. Yes, I would say you know, so. And, and StarCraft, obviously, it's still just fine out here mm-hmm. as a game, but like StarCraft 1 is much, much bigger. Yeah, so right. there, there's just these, I think, different standards from, from the different cultures where um, your, your expectations, your priorities are different, right, depending on the region. Um, you know, some regions, or, or even some people, right, just care more about graphics versus gameplay versus just not having bugs. Um, but this notion of early access, you know, whether it's devs doing it themselves or on Steam, um, has become so widespread in the West where I think it's easy for a dev or a dev company and publishing company to be like, that's okay, especially now because we can patch it. But if you think about it, um, Japanese companies don't patch their games that often, even to this day. They are still <laughs> releasing games. Like, I, I know this, I, I sound old saying this, but when I was young, <laughs> you bought a game and it was finished. You know? Right, you had the pressure that... If it yeah. if it sucked, like you couldn't fix it, like no, they, you, you were had fucked. To be if the game sucked, you were fucked. You know, and there were, I mean, they had to do so much beta testing. It, it's crazy now. Like, it's like they could just release the fuck. I don't know. Like the whole thing doesn't work. But like, well, hold on, we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And it's great that we can patch stuff now. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and that you know, especially for like you know, uh, new games that come out. Oh, there's some exploit. Right. Let's let's patch it. Let's yes. fix it. But yeah, people are releasing not finished stuff. And I mean, look, I feel bad if you're a Warcraft 3 guy. I really, I really feel bad because it's like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't know. Do you think that shit, because I, I, I believe this is probably a shareholder thing mm-hmm. where it's like we, okay. have to, we have to release the game now. Sure. We have to turn a profit by, I don't know, quarter three. Right, right. Um, let's just release it, have everybody buy it. We'll be in the green or in the black or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. And then we'll fix it later. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, do you think that's part of the issue here, or, or I, I mean, I... surely it has an effect, right? Yeah. So, so to speak from my experience, like when I was at ESL and I started, you know, being more involved in the business side of things, like there there were events that ESL would do, and and these are the events that exactly the esports community is like, wait, ESL is running like that tournament yeah. or that game? Like these are the events where it was like, well, we need a hit, like a profit you know, or a margin right. and, and this is going to get us there. So let's do it. And I, and I, you know, from a producer standpoint, I'm saying like, yeah, but like we can't 
produce this that well with the money, like with the profit we need to make right. in this short time. And they're like, oh, that's like, that's not the important thing here. Cause, yeah. cause like our brand will live with like the bigger tournaments and, and the events and yeah, we need to like, get this done. We'll take a loss here. We'll take an L. Right. And, yeah. and so granted it, it sounds really bad when you put it that way, but at the same time, the more I experience it, like I get it right. Certain times you have to, you have to pick your battles. Right? right. And as a company, you, you do need to make money. And as you get bigger and bigger, there's shareholders. There's just, it just gets more complicated. And so you need to hit certain financial standards, um, which is under, absolutely understandable. And, but so now you just need to make sure you have a healthy balance and battle like internal struggle almost between the people who want to uphold like standards and vision versus the people who want to just uphold like this financial standard. Cause you do need both if you want to continue growing. And so I think, I think you can't, I don't think anyone could go out there and say like, Oh, there's no way that they weren't like Blizzard wasn't affected by Cheryl. Just surely like it has to be a thing because yeah. with the size of Activision Blizzard, you have to be responsible to, to some extent to shareholders. What's, what's strange about it is that historically, and I think Blizzard's in a really interesting position. Mm -hmm. I mean, a very difficult one, but it's, it's one that I think actually should probably be studied like in, <laughs> in, seriously, in, in business school and everything yeah. else. Uh, Cause you have a company that started out um, and they were, killing it yes so hard i mean like warcraft 2 right was just earth shatteringly <laughs> successful i mean and, and and this is you know one of the reasons why everything at that time was uh, an rts yeah diablo mm -hmm. the, the, the fact that the dungeon would would uh randomize yeah, i guess yeah, is the right word itself, yeah self-generate yeah. yeah um was crazy and they were so good that they would i mean blizzcon is them with each of their developers giving speeches here's what we're doing next like they were such innovators they had their own con. They don't need to go to E3 yeah, or anything yeah. else. Excuse me. And now, um, they appear to be morphing into something more Activision-esque in that they are, like, releasing. And Activision also has a very successful business model. I know people want to knock on them. Yes. They'll just, I mean, I, I, it's kind of sad how much they re-release Guitar Hero until it was just <laughs> exhausting. But they know they can just release, like, a Call of Duty every year yeah. and every, you yeah, know. Themselves. Every bro will buy it and, and, and play it, and they'll buy the next one. And, and, and I understand that, but when they merge together, there seems to be too much pressure on Blizzard to release mm -hmm. games regularly when before they would, they would always say, we're only going to release the game when it's done. Yeah. And they also always have games in incubation we don't know about that they just kill. Right. Because it's not, they don't like where it's gone, and they don't want it there. And now they're just, it seems like they're being forced to continue to push out what could potentially be, eh, games <laughs> while still giving speeches for instance that talking about like how they're you know innovating and oh my god you're not going to believe it and then the curtain drops and it's like a diablo cell phone game and people are going what you mean but it, and i don't know how they even fix this for themselves you know what i'm saying because they they built this image of perfection and and they're, they're brilliant and c come sit in an audience and we'll tell you what we're going to do to innovate yeah. and now they're you know, releasing uh, Warcraft is not even finished. It doesn't have a ladder still. Right. It's, it, I, I think you're right in that there seems to have been a struggle in wanting Blizzard to shift into that other model where it's more about cranking out games and making money. And again, like you said, there's, you can't say there's anything inherently wrong with that. It, no, it works. No. And also, like, I, I grew up on Call of Duty, so I enjoyed most Call of Duty. Some of them were bad, but most of them. But like you said, it's this like Blizzard wasn't built for that and they hadn't yeah. ever done that. So 
I think if you wanted to transition that way, if you wanted to make that drastic switch, you actually just needed to do like a shock and awe, right? Like you go, you go silent for like two years, not releasing any games. And then suddenly it's like, Hey, it's like, we got Diablo like three expansion and then four and then four expansion, like just nonstop. Like if you did that, I think people would be shocked, but you like don't have time to think about if it's good or bad because you love it, right? And then you just kind of get sucked back into the world and maybe you just keep playing the games and hopefully they're they're also somewhat finished. Yeah, so that's yeah. a big part. But I think it was this like weird, oh, like we're gonna try doing these things. We're re- releasing games in different you know platforms and you know Overwatch Two got announced and things like which, that. Which also isn't even Overwatch Two, right? It's like <laughs> DLC, which is also very yes. weird. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it it almost feels like they're just kind of half-assing it and now that that makes it now that makes it a bad model where you're not all in on you know grinding out production and you're not all in on like creative perfection so now you're just stuck in the middle where you're releasing imperfect games and that's the only thing people are going to remember and i don't know i i think the damage is done and not that it's you can't recover from it but it's done where it's going to take a while for people to understand or like for Blizzard to regain that trust in either direction. I'm sorry, the light just went out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We, we can edit this back in. Okay. This Could I get some great. more water too? Yeah. Cool. Thanks. This is going great, by the way. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you for coming down and doing no, this. No, for again. sure. After fucking okay. <laughs> after tasteless laptop gate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last guy that was in the producer, uh-huh. he got drunk and like lost the laptop. Oh, that's what that's happened. What happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was God. just like, what? <laughs> God. I'm like, well, you backed it up, right? He's like, no, the external hard drive was in the backpack, too. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, it's like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And like, yeah. Oh, it was, my gosh. So that's what happened. Jeez. Are, are, are we good? Thank we can you. Just jump back into it. Um, <clears throat> Do you think that uh, Blizzard can recover from I mean, this? Or are we just going to be dealing with a different, um, I don't know, a different company in, right. entirely? Is it going to just kind of mutate into something else? Um, yeah, wh- whether it mutates, uh, that's, I, I do think that's debatable. I think that there is a possibility where like the Blizzard of old doesn't come back, at least not as Blizzard, right? Maybe, you know, people leave or, or just another company sprouts that kind of takes that throne and, and that role for gamers. But um, I, I, but is it, reco- can they recover? Yes. Would it take a lot of time? I, I think so. Also just because there's just more competition these days, right? There, there's just way more to break through. And for, with, with everyone, um, and I think we're, we're noticing this now with, you know, COVID canceling all these other conventions, like all game companies are doing their own like online marketing and presentations. And every everyone is touting that they're doing the next big thing, right? And yeah. that's just marketing, right? But but with the number of game companies we have saying that now, Blizzard just saying that again, and even if they do it right, like saying it once isn't gonna be enough to like get people's attention again, right? Because people have lost that trust. Um, and, and it takes a while to build back up. Like I would say, for instance, Ubisoft obviously lost a lot of uh, faith for a while because they, they started just cranking out games nonstop. Right. And then they got back a lot of faith with games like Siege. But even then, it's still a very niche community that's like, hey, have you heard? Like Ubisoft's actually like doing things the way we, we appreciated it and we wanted it. And people are like, wait, really? Like, like a lot of people still don't understand like why Siege is doing well. 
Um, and and the story that Siege wasn't even meant to be this like long term game. It was it was all supposed to be one of those games that just like released and then done. Yeah. Uh, but because of the community and what they saw was available, they've started really building upon it. But it, it takes time, uh, and I think it's hard for Blizzard to regain that. Also, because they they've spread themselves so thin, right? They have they have all these different esports things to care about, right? With I mean, even after the number of things they've cut within esports, like Overwatch League alone is just so much attention. It, it almost seems like they. Like, I guess overextended with their esports. Yeah. Some, I mean, like, it like suddenly everything had to be an esport, and this is how you get Overwatch, where it's like, <laughs> Overwatch, that Titan was supposed to be an MMO. Yes. Shooting game. Yes. And then they're like, well, we and I, I look and I understand it's like they have this thing, mm-hmm. let's make it an esport and. Right. and in my experience with Blizzard, is I've just seen them move people from eSport to eSport to eSport, yes, where it's yes. like, <laughs> you should have the same people on the same eSport until they know it perfectly, mm-hmm. and then you, you're supposed to keep that alive. The whole eSports thing is supposed to be, in my opinion, a long-term plan. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be spinning a quick buck. Yeah, yeah. You know, m- making money uh, easily. Um, and yeah, it just seems like they were so eSports, everything eSport, and then they're like, well, we'll just focus on our newest eSport. And then they, they shot Heroes of the Storm in the head. Oh, my gosh. You know, and, and I don't know. The whole thing's very, very strange to, to kind of watch. Yeah, I, and I, you know, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I can't shake off the feeling that it was, it was very primarily a knee-jerk reaction to Riot and them taking yeah. everything in-house, right? Because yeah. it was right around the time when um, Riot fully took in everything in-house, like globally. Like, they took yeah. LCS and then LCS EU in-house, and then you know LCK, they like yeah, they even took in it Korea, all yeah, yeah, they LCK. took it all internally around 2015, 2016, and that's when Overwatch was like we're releasing Overwatch and Overwatch League like at the same time. Yeah, um, but I, like I say it these days too with all these new games, I always tell people like if you like if your announcement with your game is that you're gonna have an esports league, like I will bet money that you're not gonna succeed because yeah, like, that's just, it just doesn't work that it, way. Yeah, it's like it's like some XFL stuff or something, <laughs> you know, where it's like well, here we are, right? It, in, you know, I mean, StarCraft is a great example of this, but League as well is that these were just games that yeah. people kept playing, and then there were people playing so much there was demand for tournaments, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think that, for instance, with Valorant, I think they probably will have some success with it, but it's because it's a, it's a, in some sense, a carbon copy of Counter Strike, and there's yeah. some spells. It's well, similar I would also enough, say but Valorant, like, so I think if you're going to announce a game and you're going to say this is a esports game, the way to do it would be like Valorant did, where they're like all of their marketing is purely, hey, we care about competitive integrity, right? right. Like they're, every, the thing that people get hyped about Valorant or in the beginning, now there's obviously some drama around it, was like anti-cheat and uh, their network and their ping and, and all of that, like their servers and 128 tick. Like their marketing was not about, look at how cool this agent is. Right. Like that was not, like they had videos, but it wasn't the headline. And so if you do that, that's fine because I think the expectation you set both for yourself and the players and the community is that, like, this is all we're going to care about. It's about competition, and we want to make it fair. And even then, they're, they've already announced that they want to do a little bit more, like, grassrootsy, overseeing, you know, community tournaments um, because of their experience with League of Legends. Uh, but that's, that's one thing, whereas, like, if you're trying to release a blockbuster game like Overwatch or, you know, whatever other games that are coming out these days, and then you're, like, also, like, a million-dollar prize pool. It's like, 
do we even know if your game is gonna like work? Like, how, how would you yeah. have possibly test it in a full esports league environment in beta internally, right? Like yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the only thing that's definitely safe if you're going to make an esport is to is to try to emulate something that's already working. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you like know. fighting games. I think it's pretty safe that mm-hmm. we fighting games have been figured out. Like we right. know we know how to make fighting games. Mm-hmm. You can make a really good one and put it out there. But for some stuff, I mean, for instance, with Overwatch, um, it. There aren't other esports that are even close to being like that. It's yeah. sort of like a 3D MOBA. Yeah, um, it was a whole new genre. You know, yeah, and they're just like this is now super competitive, <laughs> you know. And I mean, and, and it, Overwatch is competitive. I'm right. not. I'm not totally trashing on it, but yeah, it, it just it seems so forced. Well, yeah, and and th- I think that's the unfortunate thing is that there's obviously clearly a big like skill difference between good people and great people and not so good people in Overwatch, and it's a very there's strategy involved. I get that. There's there's a lot of skill involved in that game, 100%. And so it, it, I actually think it could have grown bigger if it wasn't like served on a platter that Blizzard decided was this was how this esports is going to work. Yeah. Right. And 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 the worst part is like maybe this model would have been fine, but like we just don't know because we never got to experiment. Right. We just yeah. we just have no idea. And then and then because they had to mess this so much, they had to you know switch like how they were doing things with the whole like bands, the yeah. the hero bands and rotation. Like I'll, I'll be honest, I was like following the headlines and it, it took me like week four to realize what was actually happening and that these were actually just like random bands <laughs> in the game. Like you just couldn't play that character. And I was like, what? And But like they had to take these drastic measures because they, they invested in it and they were like, well, yeah. we have to do something. So yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's a- <laughs> when do you think uh, when do you think the coronavirus is gonna finally die down? Oh, how long are we in, in this for? You think? I mean, like I think fully died out. I I would say probably like things like- are back to normal. Like you and me can actually go to events again and oh, and event- work. And- okay, like with crowd and everything, like yeah. in the stadium. Yeah, I would I would probably say twenty twenty one. Really, think twenty twenty one. I think so. I I think now I more than anything I think certain like local levels of everyday life can you know depending on the region start returning you know like later half of the year but um like now that events have already been canceled like it'd be it'd be very bold of someone to announce a stadium event without a vaccine in place like in the world right you know what i mean like for them to be like oh we think there's been enough time to pack five thousand people in yeah. the stadium. <laughs> like that'd be a very bold move <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it might even be like two years or something. Maybe, man. maybe yeah. Because people are saying like eighteen months for a vaccine, but that's like the best. Right, that's the best case scenario. Possible. Yeah, best case scenario. Yeah, I don't know. Do it's, do you yeah. miss uh, uh, traveling or going overseas, or have you embraced this pretty well? Um, I I do miss um, yeah, getting to go overseas for whatever reasons, whether it's events or you know visiting, um, but not too much. I've actually, I'm not gonna lie, I've actually kind of. Uh, it, been able to appreciate the like the just there being less noise in esports like th- there was a yeah. lot of things going on in esports like, yeah lots of drama <laughs> twitter is unbearable yeah. yeah yeah i mean even now there's like <laughs> i was thinking that today this morning i looked at twitter i was like i'm not looking at this anymore today there's just there's there's too just much. So much but there's there's always drama and um with like the number of games i had ever even set foot in you know, just because I had I had been involved at one point, I feel almost responsible to follow them closely, and and then you take so then you take like StarCraft, Counter Strike, Dota, League of Legends, you know, various fighting games, Call of Duty, and I'm like, man, with all these events, it was just it was a slog 
to, to try to catch up. And, and I'm in a unique position. I get that. Right. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but, um, I, I do think, and, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way that like, we need like a, not that there should be a culling of events, but I think this is putting into perspective, like what value certain events have or had, right. And which ones should be like prioritized both in terms of a TO and developer, but also like a viewer, right. Of, Oh, like this is what was more important to me. And then like these other games or other tournaments I can appreciate in a different way, or I don't have to sit and watch all six hours of them. I can watch highlights. And I I think it'll bring about some different ideas about how to, uh, I guess like monetize around these events in the future. Are you, are you going to stick to full-time streaming? Are you enjoying it or do you want to go back or, you know, it's, uh, I've been saying even until like last week, just even to myself that no, like I don't, have any plans to like try to commit into full-time streaming but i this coming into this week i'm starting to kind of toy with the idea not again not because i think it's easy um but i'm I'm actually thinking maybe it it does more of the things i want to do in like my career within the gaming space um and this is nothing against like esports but even within esports right people who have talked with me uh, multiple times know that like the reason i was I was okay moving away from a full-time hosting and like casting role was because I wanted to make impacts in, in other areas, right. For, for different reasons. Like there's already a lot of good, you know, talent out there on screen talent. Um, and also like you, you got to spread that talent around so that you can impact things on a full scale rather than just while you're on screen or, you know, just in one game. And so that's always kind of been my mission. Um, so now getting to experience, like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, the positives around streaming, um, I'm wondering if, if that's something maybe I should consider at the very least. Cause until now I was like, I'm just doing this cause it's like the best thing I can do right now. Right. But, but now it's slowly starting to change to, you know, I should, I should at least give it, um, my all at least once and, and see, and if it doesn't work out long-term, at least I'll have learned other things I can, uh, get from it to, to go back into like full-time esports like tournament uh, realm. But I'll be honest. I do. I do. I miss esports tournaments. Sure, absolutely. Like, there's nothing like the energy of being in a stadium. Yeah. Right I, I hate. I hate this. <laughs> I miss. I miss doing audience. I miss audiences. I miss meeting people. Yeah. It, I just. Yeah. And it was yeah. such a core part of our lives, right? Yeah. You just knew minimum like X number of times a year. I could go and, and just feed off of this energy and then meet my you know friends from around the world that are casting that care about this game and, th- and then we can talk about other stuff and um and now it's it's gone yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not there so it's it's a very weird feeling but uh, yeah so while i miss it i think also because my mindset's always been like i i can move away from it if i know that there's a different goal for me in the, whatever aspect of that industry um i think i'm in a bit of a different boat than most others who have stuck with it like full time all throughout again. Cause I've hopped around in so many different roles uh, within esports. How is this podcast by the way? I'm fun. Good. Thank awesome. you so much for doing this, man. No, I, I love it. Can you tell people who are watching or listening where, where they can find you on Twitch? Uh, yeah. So you can find me on Twitch and Twitter. I, I have an Instagram, but I barely use it on uh, will Chobra. So it's W I L L C H O B R A. Uh, it's all the same across Twitch and Twitter. Um, I also have like a small discord server, that's starting to grow where you can just talk about various things, especially uh, if you want to talk about like Korean stuff, whether it's culture, language, whatever. Uh, we got a little space set up there too. So that's where you can find me. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. 
That does it for this episode, guys. Thanks again to Chobra. I really appreciate it. I know you just moved back to Korea. You were super busy, so I'm grateful you took the time to sit down and talk to me. Again, guys, if you like this, you know, the subs on Twitch are appreciated. But if you want to support this podcast directly, the people who help make the podcast and the equipment we're acquiring to record and film it, you can go to patreon.com forward slash tasteless podcast. And that's it. We should have another podcast airing in two weeks, guys. I'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening. I love you. Bye-bye. This podcast is produced by State. Artwork by Alaris. Music by Mark Lentz. Intro by Sky Lee. Take care, guys. We love you. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Wash your hands.